Deep in the farthest recesses of the most distant jungle lies a city. A city populated by the most mysterious, terrifying, and downright grotesque denizens ever seen by mortal eye. Here, in the darkened corners of this cavernous locale, sits an ordinary, average brick building with an innocuous, ordinary, average, blinking neon sign which reads, On Air. It is here where each week, Seth Breedlove and Mark Matsky convene to discuss the greatest mysteries the world has ever known. Now, zip up your leather pants, slap on the clown paint, and don't forget to eat something light as we begin our journey through Monsteropolis. This is Monsteropolis, a show about anomalies, <laughs> legends, and monsters. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, Mark Matsky. Hey. Hey. Um, we have a letter we didn't read last episode, so we're reading this episode. If you're interested in sending in letters, uh, monsteropolismail at gmail.com is where you can send them, and we will read them on the show. We love them. Yeah, we do. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Casey, uh, Mizokami sent us an, an email, uh, Native American Sasquatch names. Thought you guys might find this interesting. My brother spent some time as a BF researcher behind the computer and it produced this list. He also said Peter Byrne once attacked Renee Denden in, in a dimly lit alley and won. <laughs> <laughs> We we've had enough out of you, Dandon. It's funnier when you say it with a British accent. <laughs> anyway, great show. The chemistry helps carry the show when Seth doesn't do his homework, which is always. Looking forward to the next film. And then he sent us a um a Native American Sasquatch names list, which actually is really helpful. Uh, and Kyle, so I've met both both the Mizokami brothers. Uh, Kyle and Casey. I met him in San Francisco. Super cool guys. We've talked about this on the show. Also, I was going to start trying to read these names, but I just realized there's no way I'm pronouncing any of this right. So I'm just going to skip that. But if anyone is interested in this list, uh, shoot us an email or whatever, and we'll send it to you. Um, or I guess I could also read the URL, which is quite long. But uh, it's uh, go, then the letter to... Then never mind. The letter two. <laughs> never. Two. We're out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Casey. Though, um, there's there's more where that came from online as well. I love visualizing that dust the up and burn. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't the only one, right? There had to have been. More oh man. Fisty cuffs. Yeah. Occurring. Of course. I mean, they didn't care. Yeah. The Hinden especially. There's that documentary where he stands up in the middle of somebody else's presentation yeah. and just starts shouting things. I mean, it was a kind of a different world mm-hmm. back then. I could see that happening again. It has happened. I mean, I could see that happening day, from, yeah, like weaponized mm-hmm. uh, people watching certain YouTube channels online going, mm-hmm. to, going to big for conferences. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh. <laughs> um, uh yeah so anyway the the show this is the show we're this is monsteropolis this is it you're listening to um (laughs) 
this week's shows so we record multiple episodes at a time usually just two um this week we are recording on a week where i'm also filming very big stuff for the Ruguru movie which is coming out in a couple months so it's kind of a busy week so we're doing shorter episodes so if you noticed last week's episode was shorter that's why and this week's episode will be slightly shorter as well uh something i didn't mention or failed to mention our events we do have events coming up this year we're back on the event circuit although we have substantially cut down on the number of events we're doing and we will be cutting down further going forward um we are doing mothman festival this september which i think is like september 18th or something that sounds right yeah, yeah. um we are going going to be screening the mothman legacy and on the trail of UFOs Dark Sky at the State Theater Friday night. So if you're interested in that, come to there. Uh, come to the festival. Uh, on the trail of UFOs Dark Sky, the premiere is at the Braxy Bazaar, which I think we've talked about already. But I um, I wanted to give this the proper mention on the show. Braxy Bazaar takes place Saturday, September 11th. Uh, it's an all-day event. I think it's outside. I'm not sure. Downtown Sutton, yes. So it's an outdoor event. I think there's speakers and such. I'll be there. The Moth Boys will be there. Les Odell, everybody's favorite, will be there. Mm-hmm. Um, George Dudding, yeah. world famous GD Paranormal. He just will, released will a new book. <laughs> no surprise. You, I know. It's hard to believe. Uh, but yeah, the, it's going to be a really cool event, and I always talk about how much I love that area. I've spent a lot of time there, and I'll probably spend more. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to be at that event, those two events in September in, you know, uh, Andrew is floating the idea of expanding that next year. Okay. Braxy Bazaar. All right. We're not doing the live thing. I'm, okay. Right. Not, not but maybe, but maybe next, year next year he's working on making that possible. Okay. That'd be really cool. All right. So, yeah. So we will be at that event in those two events in September. In October, I've got Scarefax. <sighs> Scarefest <laughs> in Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, and that's like October 22nd. It's the weekend of October 22nd. Um, November, I've got three events. I We never have anything in November. And this year, I've got three events in November. Three events? Yeah. We've got CryptidCon. We've got... Maybe we have two events. Did I just... Yeah, we... Have, no. There's a third event. I can't remember what it is now. Maybe there is only two. Anyway, we've got CryptidCon and we've got Wild and Weird... West Virginia con, whatever, wild and weird conference, wild and weird con. I don't know. Wild and weird. It's wild and weird. Yeah. Uh, so Crypticon <laughs> and that. And then uh, I swear there's something I'm What about skipping. is August? There's a Moth Boys. Aug- August is Cryptid Bash in Cryptid Bash. Morgantown, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Which we're doing as well. And at that one, Tommy, Myself and Adrian will all be there because the next day we're leaving for vacation. No, so we're actually leaving from West Virginia nice. to go on vacation. So I thought you were going to say Tommy's making his first presentation. Yeah, he'll be giving a PowerPoint, <laughs> all about uh, PJ masks. Which <laughs> all he watches currently. Uh, so make sure to tune in for that. But yeah, um, it should be a really fun. Those. I look forward to events like all of these I've just mentioned. They're, they all involve friends and, you know, they're a little, maybe a, not small scale, but maybe a, they feel a little more intimate. I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, and events, frankly, we've been cutting our event roster year by year. And next year we're going to get 
to the point here eventually where there's nothing left except events that are put on by friends. That's just kind of like where I'm headed. We travel so much making the movies anymore that it just doesn't make sense for me to travel to do an event where, you know, you spend a lot of time and energy on it and come home empty handed Mm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. Or just straight up insulted, which happens quite often. Oh, man. Quite often. Uh, which is why we don't do film festivals anymore, which is this is this is something I've had to explain to multiple people this year who keep asking me to submit films to film festivals. Um, there was a big one coming up. Maybe that's what I was thinking of in November uh, that that it asked me to submit. Horror Hound asked us to submit again. Mm-hmm. Not even going to get into why that's ridiculous, but um, we don't we don't take part in film festivals anymore. And my reasoning is going to sound incredibly egotistical. Maybe it is, but I just don't think that anyone else is on our level. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I say that in all sincerity as well. So, um, I, when, when we make a movie and it goes to, and we're submitted to a film festival, we are traditionally beaten out by other movies simply based on the subject matter, not the actual content of the movie we're making. And that, to me, doesn't make any sense. And when you get into Bigfoot festivals or paranormal film festivals and you're losing to other films that are not of the same quality, it typically has to do with, like, friends who are making movies that have been submitted. And it's Mm -hmm. just like it's a whole competition thing that I have no interest in being a part of. Um, I genuinely think the crew we have assembled and the people that are making these movies are top of the game and so for me when we do this i'm not really interested in competing because i think we've already like we're we're good does yeah. it sound bad as bad as i think it does no no it actually it makes a lot of sense I mean, especially you know in those <laughs> the the last stream of ideas was was right i mean what what is the point of a competition a film competition mm-hmm. Right now, yeah, it it's not as if that's going to really broaden the audience. It's not, yeah. And if you listen to last week's episode, it's just opening it up to uninformed opinions, mm-hmm. which you know we can find those we can on find YouTube. those on Amazon, <laughs> or yeah, or YouTube. We don't need to go get those in person from somebody who thinks you know Bigfoot is absurd. But yeah, yeah, no, I I understand that completely. I mean, there's a time and place for it, and depending on the the type of film that you make, perhaps that would be a, a way to go, especially if you have designs on it perhaps being picked up or, you know, distributed. But that's already happening yeah. for STM. You yeah. don't n- need that part of it. So, yeah. And, it, and you at know, one and, time, and finally, you just only have so much time in yeah, your life. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true, too. But, I mean, I think the other thing is that at one time, film festivals were much more important to independent film than they are today. And that had everything to do with the distribution system that is archaic now that doesn't really... The way movies are distributed aren't the same today as they were when Clerks <laughs> became a movie because of the fact that it's screened in New York City. Mm-hmm. It's not... It's just a different era. You don't yeah. need that stuff anymore. And the system that propagates that whole pay to submit your movie to our film festival, it's nonsense. Like, you don't have to do that. I mean, that would be a big, if I was making a, you know, like giving advice to an independent paranormal filmmaker especially, but any kind of filmmaker, you don't have to enter film festivals. Now, some people do it because it's exciting and it makes you feel like you're a filmmaker. 
if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for that, like the experience of doing it, then go for it. But like, it doesn't like make your, you any mini can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I made it. The, it is fun. Like it can be fun, but it's also really a grind. Like Adrian and I had early on done film festivals where we had to attend. You had to attend. And we drove, I remember once we drove to Dayton, Ohio to attend a film festival at a hotel. We get into the screening of our movie and there was no one there. And eventually people came in, trickled in, but it ended up only being like four or five people. So Mm. it's these four or five people, Adrian and I, watching Boggy Creek Monster, which is like on my 700th time to watch it. I'm sitting there <laughs> losing my mind for the duration. And then it ends and there wasn't a single question from the audience. They handed us an award because we had actually won it, and we turned around and left. And, I, and when I got home, I was like, man, we drove two hours, like four hours round trip. She was pregnant wow. at the time. We drove four hours to go attend this screening for no real reason other than to be handed an award. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where I started kind of getting turned off to the whole idea. But yeah. Anyway, that was a diatribe. I don't know what what the point was. Um, Okay, so On the Trail of Companion. This is the next book from from Small Town Monsters. Um, You kind of want to talk about everything, right? Or just specifically what you wrote about in that chapter? Oh, Yeah, I just wanted to talk about it in general. Okay, cool. And I should have sent you some pages to look on. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe through, you know, throw out some things that our Kickstarter backers could get excited about Mm -hmm. because this is um, really quite different from the first Making Monsters book. Yes. Which was largely a self-directed effort as far as the text portion was concerned. Um, This is the complete opposite of that by design, you know, getting as many participants in the films involved as possible and getting their ideas and their insights into the making of these films, that was part of the, you know, going in, that was something I knew that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just thought it would be more interesting um, and, and give more facets to each project. And, and there were fewer projects. There were just four to write about. So uh, that was a place to start. It, what's interesting about On the Trail of that you've probably noticed in putting the book together is that in the time that On the Trail of has been around, which is only a couple of years now. Yeah. <laughs> We've probably interviewed far more people already in the within that series than we have in the films, which have been around for at least three years longer. Mm-hmm. So, like, just the amount of stuff you have to write about and the amount of places we've traveled and all that. I, th- yeah. I think it's, despite the fact that it hasn't been around as long, there's more that's gone on in that series than there is in the movies. Sure, sure. I mean, and just as a case study of that, you know, think about uh, the Discovery shoot. Mm-hmm. Where one day at the Bigfoot barn mm-hmm. was just interview so, after yeah. interview and shoot like seven that day. Yeah. 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 And I don't unless you are part of a crew like this, you don't understand the toll that that takes yeah. on because <laughs> mentally and emotionally. <laughs> right. I mean, like for you, you are engaged in an intense conversation with seven people oh. and and the the camera crew is panning, you know, in some cases panning back and forth at key moments to capture the reactions. And that it's all takes concentration. You can't really drift off in the middle of something like that. And it's, it's really 
intense work. Describe the book though, because yeah, because it's very it is like Mark said, it's different from the last book. And speaking of the books, I don't. She, I think she's okay with me talking about it. But like we, the book stuff is going to expand at some point, hopefully later this year or next year. But but there's going to be more coming from us in the in the book field. Um, and I know she's working hard at figuring out ways to going forward have reprintings of Making Monsters and the On the Trail of Companions, either digitally or you know physical copies, um, because people on a on a weekly, if not daily basis, are asking for copies of wow. Making Monsters. So mm. um, maybe down the road we can figure out a way to to get those back in print for people while still offering you know giving a, a reason why Kickstarter backers should be happy with the copy they receive too. So yeah. anyway, how, yeah. What is this? Well, the companion, I think early on, I mean, you and I and Adrian all sort of were brainstorming about what should this volume be like. And the word companion, I think is sort of the key to understanding it because it's not, it's not like a chronological breakdown of each shoot primarily mm-hmm. there. That sort of information is part of each description, of course, but what we also tried to do is uh, give you a sense of, you know, the, the location, where this happened. There's many sidebars that just drill into the historical background of the locations. I read the Bowden Cave yeah. system thing today, yeah. and that was super cool because I, I didn't know any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's it's that exactly that sort of thing. And then combined with either classic cases that have to do with a particular location or maybe lesser known things, uh, sightings and, and reports that have come in about um, a given place. But that was, I really found that interesting in uh, the, on the trail of UFOs one, well, all of the, all the sections really each had their own little nuggets that were uncovered that were a lot of fun. Like in the case of uh, the journey there was stuff about the cave that we went to on the first day uh, where that really had been inhabited by kind of a drifter mountain man type character. And a it wild goes man, in, even. Yeah, yeah, uh, potentially. And it, it just gets into the, the a little sketch of the history of that because that then has uh, repercussions on the culture of the area. I mean, there's places still named after this character uh, that exist. You can go to those in the Adirondacks and... I think that's what we were trying to provide with the companion is not only here's where we went and who we talked to and interviewed and what the locations are, but if you go, you know, if this inspires you to get in the car and go to any of these places, here's some things to look for that you might enjoy. Yeah, the the so Mark just sent over the dark sky chapter today and um the movie, <clears throat> well, actually, I don't want to give that stuff away. Okay. <laughs> I just realized that movie's not out yet. Right. Uh, well, there's a really cool sidebar in that section. And like he said, it like it gives this backstory on these places. I could almost see sitting down with these projects, the films or series or whatever, and the book in one hand and reading some of these things as you're watching the movie. Like you would watch the movie or the series and something stands out and you're like, I wonder if there's anything about that in, in the book. Mm. And you would be able to look it up and learn more about it. Yeah. And that was that was what we talked about originally was something that expands on the productions themselves in a way that goes beyond behind the scenes yeah. content. Yeah. 
well, you know this, but I there's nothing that I enjoy more than a good audio commentary mm-hmm. on a Blu-ray. Yeah. And I sort of treated it in a similar way. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool that you would describe it in that way because that's sort of what I was going for was like a wide variety of what might be an interesting thing to talk about right now, you know, given this location or something that somebody said yeah. in an interview that sort of takes you on a little journey of its own. And I think the other thing that was uh, that I want to say right at the beginning here is I was really uh, encouraged by the response. There, there's not a single person that I asked to be involved with this that turned me down. Can you give us some names? Uh, yeah, I think, well, there's Seth Breedlove. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and Brandon Dalo. And, you know, a lot of people on the crew said yes. Uh, Shannon was instrumental in the UFO chapters, which I thought was really important to get her voice in mm-hmm. the companion because it's so prevalent in the series the series itself. But also then uh, we got uh, Paul Bartholomew yeah. to say yes. And I feel like I could have given him like a dozen prompts mm-hmm. and he would have, like the next day, there would have been 20 pages of <laughs> information. I mean, he was just very, very generous yeah. uh, with with his time and attention to this project. But just a, a whole ton of people who are involved. Alex. Stan. Yeah, well, Stan does the... Stan Gordon. He does the foreword, yeah. correct? And he he contributed large sections to um, Trail of UFOs 1. Yeah. Um, Sean Forker huh. contributed. See, I didn't know this. I yeah. haven't read some of these yeah. chapters I haven't read. Like, you sent them all to me and Adrian, mm-hmm. to Adrian and I, but I... Sometimes, like if it's the right time and I happen to be doing nothing at that moment, yeah. I'll flip it open. And that's what happened this morning. I was sitting okay. on my chair downstairs and that dark sky thing came through and I started going through it. That's what, but it is, it's, it's cool. You talked about it, maybe even in the, in the intro, in the introduction to that chapter, how mm-hmm. the crew, how it's a good example of how much the crew and everything, how, how much the family of small town monsters has expanded. Yeah. And like an introduction to that. Right. Yeah. For, the, for like the audience. I right. Think. Yeah. The dark sky, uh, that chapter introduction really is, I mean that it serves in that sort of introduction to like who's really become involved. Mm-hmm. And I, of course I'm thinking of people like Heather, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Knopp and uh, the contributions that they're making in just this relatively short amount of time mm-hmm. from their first project to now, it it's one of the cool stories within the story. Mm-hmm. And so I really, in that Dark Sky chapter, try to give, I mean, Heather was another person, Heather Moser um, was another person who I just had to give a few questions and prompts, and she, the volume of insight and knowledge that she has. Mm-hmm. And from her own experiences and inquiries and so forth, uh, she was a very willing contributor. So that was really cool too. It is crazy. Like um, we talked, well, we talked about this with making monsters because like it is, we don't spend a lot of time looking in the rear view, Mm -mm. uh, mostly because we have summers like the one that's going on right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, but when you do get a moment to reflect, it's always kind of wild to see how much, Things grow on a yearly basis and not, you know, I'm not talking from like a business standpoint or any of that stuff, but more like the, the closeness and the bonds you form with the people you're working with. And, you know, I've talked about, I think you, you might remember this, but like a couple of years ago, 
Adam was up and Alex was up with us and we were going on a walk and I said something to Adrian about how what a weird family small town monsters has become because mm-hmm. it really is like it and it hit me again last night Jason was out with us on a shoot and it was his first time since more uh since December of 2019 to be on an STM shoot and it it just felt like nor like it felt normal to have everyone back together again I mean, at least me, Zach, and Jason out on a shoot together. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing is it's never the same crew anymore. It doesn't seem like it anyway. Right. I mean, I would say Zach is the most, you know, consistently involved. But even that, like, you know, we've done Journey. He wasn't a part of Journey. He wasn't a part of Discovery. So kind of like there's a rotating cast of characters, yeah. too, to a certain degree. Right. Which is it's it's fun because, like, I like working with, Everyone involved, and it's kind of cool when that when it's not always the same people because you have more time to talk to certain people on certain trips. Like I felt like Journey, maybe Andy and I, and and Alex, you know, like we were kind of and you, I guess we're mm-hmm. like we were all communicating more on Discovery. I barely talked to you guys because you were always in the other car because we had the two two cars. Yeah. yeah. And so there's always like every shoot feels very different from the one before it anymore. There's an, and there's never an easy one, yeah. but I think the book, I think this book will do a really cool job yeah. of of putting people in a in a position maybe behind the scenes that they didn't get to go to with making monsters too. Yeah, and getting to write about that allows you to explore those different combinations because they really do affect the project mm-hmm. uh, that's being worked on. And speaking of Jason, I mean, he did contribute to on the trail of UFOs one, mm-hmm. and you know he. I like how he writes, and he, his contributions have a lot to do with, um, you know, it's, a, it's an important perspective because I don't think he went in there really thinking like, oh, we're going to uncover the secrets of Area 51 or anything like that. I mean, he's, he has a, just a completely different spin on that, and he can articulate that well, and that really adds a lot to his comments in the book. Well, and that made me think, of, and this isn't related to the book, but the... You and Jason have worked together now on two different writing projects. Mm. And outside of that, I don't know how much you guys communicated before or after. Like, I think that's kind of like the way you guys might bond is like working on those projects. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And there's just a, it's very complimentary relationship in that regard. Not like, not L-I complimentary, but L-E where, Mm -hmm. you know, his... Just the our sensibilities are different yet similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the best way I can think of to describe it. So it's it is really fun. So I I figured he would want to throw his hat in the ring for this chapter, and he did. So that that's was really cool. cool. But man, this was that the first trip, the UFOs one, was such a sprawling endeavor. It's crazy. I mean, just trying to pull all the pieces together <laughs> was a challenge, but. It gave me an, a new respect for the scope of that project. I yeah. mean, I, that's something that's, again, typical of STM. We, we finish it and move on. But when you think of the scope of UFOs 1, everywhere that you guys went and all the people that you talked to, you know, Ryan Sprague, for example. Um, Is he in there? No, but okay. Shannon talks about what it was like. Yeah, to that's cool be face to face with him finally because that was the first time that was that blew my mind yeah that uh ryan and shannon 
were in the same room because they had worked together on Into the Fray Radio originally, but had never met personally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it goes through, uh, it just traces the, the trip. As I was saying, it, it highlights some major things, but also uh, the Pine Bush, New York UFO epicenter. Yeah. It gets into the background of that so whole. That's weird that you would do that because I just bought the book's weirdly titled Silent Invasion. Oh, yeah. You know, that's that? referenced in. This. Yeah, I just bought yeah. it. I found a copy. It cost me like 54 bucks. It's a used copy. Mm-hmm. But um, because I'm interested that's in that. That's the book that made Pine Bush. OK. A place. Yeah. Huh. That's so cool. Yeah, I just bought it. So I'm hoping I'm get, I, I should have it this week because I'm actually curious to learn more about that case. Because if we do these, if the films stick to regional the on the trail of stuff, then I got to get back to the Hudson Valley at some point. That's that's one of my yeah, favorite spots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other, like, uh, just an example of the, just the nerdy, like, level of detail this sometimes goes into, um, because of the fact that you were at the Griffith Observatory, I started looking into movies that have been filmed at Griffith. Rocketeer. Rocketeer is, yeah, is one. And I was surprised to learn. That's the I, first one I think of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it cool? is. Yeah. That and uh, Bowfinger are the two that stand out. In <laughs> <Yeah. my> <laughs> Jurassic Park was filmed there for the interior, that staircase. Oh. Of course, See, it doesn't. I've been there. I didn't go in. Griffith. Yeah. It's as the. As the the Jurassic Park epicenter right. or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. yeah. It's welcome Center. I didn't know that, though. That's super cool. Uh-huh. So it's just little things like that, that for film lovers, we you know, this type now, of see, thing gets thrown in here. And well. that's one of those things with STM that I would never have got, been able to do this if not for STM. And that is that the mansion we rented when we were filming on the trail of UFOs in California oh, yeah. sat just below the observatory. And at night I would lay in bed and stare at the observatory, mm. which was like 200 yards away. Like it was, it, that was one of the surreal, like no, Nothing else in my life, if I had stayed on the trajectory I was on, would have allowed me to do things like that. You know, like sleep in a in a bed and just look at a Griffith Observatory right. every night over the course of, the, yeah. of a week or whatever. It, that was that always stands out. Yeah, um, just to give you know potential readers a sense of also what's coming. We have uh, Paul Bartholomew gave us a list of his favorite books, <laughs> so that's included. Yeah. Uh, Mike Ann. Gave us a detailed uh, rundown of one of his favorite investigations. So if if you know, it takes the side trip into what it's really like for someone who does this a lot mm-hmm. to go out and gather information. We got um, I dug deeper into Kinderhook. Sweet. And um, one other thing. Oh yeah, we get some. Uh, John Wilk contributed some stuff nice. just about his. You know, sort of how he ended up in his position working in uh, Savoy State. And uh, just, again, the whole point of that is to sort of excite people to go into those regions and give them sort of hooks and things to look for and what to expect when you go. Mm-hmm. And I did that, too, in the uh, the Discovery chapter. But the it, the Discovery chapter, whoops, is different than all the others in the sense that the discovery chapter is just my journal. Mm -hmm. So day by day, 
where we went and who we talked to and my observations on what I was thinking and, and things of that nature, but also then sprinkling in informational parts that I went back and sort of retrofitted with more information like whole rainforest and you know some of the history of, of the area. So this covers UFOs or a big Bigfoot? season one or no that was kind of covered in making monsters so i wasn't sure yeah. if you were diving back no into it. it was it's the four okay so modern, it's ufos yeah ufos and ufos dark sky mm -hmm. bigfoot journey bigfoot discovery correct okay cool so when we do a companion volume two it's going to be pretty sweet too because by then we'll have night visitors we'll have mm -hmm. lake michigan mothman yeah. i still think it'd be interesting to do something about hauntings mm -hmm. um yeah there's more yeah there's there's a lot more coming yep um but yeah, congratulations on finishing Thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> um, it'll be out in, I think the plan is to ship it with Rougarou, so mid-September Nice is the plan. Um, but she's got a lot of work to do, so it still might it might be later. It might be more like November, because that's when Discovery's coming out. So we're, we're figuring it out. But um, <clears throat> behind the scenes at STM, there's a ton going on right now, and we're we're keeping up with it, but it has been a bear and uh, will continue to be a bear through the end of September. Once we're once we're through end of September, we should have at least some breathing room and finally start, you know, uh, figuring out the game plan for next year. We already know three of the titles for next year, but how much beyond that there is going to be, we're still figuring out. Mm -hmm. I can tell you there's a ton coming in beyond the trail, um, including some stuff here in Ohio, maybe even Minerva. So we'll see Whoa. see what happens with that. Wow. Um, but yeah, there's, it's going to be a cool year, and, and uh, the book is a huge part of it. Anyone that got the book last year, they're still talking about it. People people online are still talking about that book. So um, uh, I'm excited to see how people respond to this one because I've, unlike you, <laughs> I've got to see uh, by staring over my wife's shoulder what the, <laughs> what the design is looking like, and she's gone uh, all out. Um, and I thought the last one looked great, but this is on another. She's doing some stuff with the design itself that's that's really unique and cool. And yeah, the book comes to life. Is, is all I can say. So, congrats though. Oh, finishing it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I, you know, it's the type of thing where you love doing it. Yeah. But this one was this felt like a marathon, mm. just because the projects themselves were so huge. Yeah. And UFOs one was just. Massive. Massive. However many, how, what, what was the final tally on states we shot in? It's like 17. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's something else. So, yeah, it feels, it does feel good to have it done and weird to not have, you know, it's like looming <laughs> over you. Yeah, right. <laughs> now what? Yeah. Well, there's more. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, that, that's shipping soon. So be on the lookout. Check it out. Um, Leave us a review and rating on iTunes if you like the show. You can send us mail at monsteropolismail at gmail.com. And we'll read it on the show. And you can watch the show on Squad um, on our channel for our channel members on YouTube. So I think that does it for now. We're, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.